eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7. G-Day's in the books. Red team, led by the first team offense, beats the black team 28-23. Uh, JT Daniels throws three touchdowns, throws for over 300 yards. Uh, I think there were 97 passes put in the air, and that's not even counting the sacks. So, you know, Georgia dropped back over 100 times to throw the football at G-Day, a big-time air show, a lot to talk about. But, Rusty, um, I always love getting your insight quick because you're so succinct with it. You do a good job of explaining it. Number one takeaway from G-Day, the one thing that jumped out to you. What you just said. I mean, they 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 threw it around. And and I really wasn't sure. Well, I thought that Georgia's going to be a little more vanilla. And I don't think they showed a ton. I think there was base defense. You see one linebacker in there most of the game in the box. So uh, definitely spread it out some. But with the injuries they had at wide receiver, I wasn't sure how they were going to do it. I know Kirby Smart and staff were just trying to get through that game, show a little bit, and get, you know, finish spring practice healthy. And uh, I think that's the first thing, Jake, you might have mentioned that's the first thing Kirby Smart said in his press conference that um, – you know, no injuries, no major injuries today. So I think throwing it around, man, was was uh, was the, the the big deal there. I thought some young guys made some plays. I thought overall the quarterback play all the way through, you know, was, was, was pretty dang solid. They all flashed a little bit. I think the two things, if I'm going to be nitpicking, I kind of mentioned it in there. And it's just a, it's a, it's a deal you work with. But when you get a playmaker like Arian Smith, and you get him twice. And I said this, I think last week that he would get two or three times where he just, they're just going to turn him loose. And Georgia turned him loose and he was behind the DB. Those are the plays last year that separated Mac Jones from some guys. He was very accurate on a deep ball. And uh, I think those are some of the things that Georgia can work on. But the promising side of that is you see a guy out there that can knock the top off of coverage in a heartbeat. He's a guy that can make plays. Georgia has desperately wanted uh, a speedster like this that can get down the field, stretch it, and, and really put some stress on you. So 
you know, a few quick notes there. And, and I thought the I thought the interior defensive line, those guys, man, we're gonna go back and look at this in a couple of years, Jake, with, with what they've got up front. You know, we've always we deal with the board and everybody's trying to replace Roquan Smith and Roquan Smith, and it's hard to do. And even Georgia is ultra talented right now and inside linebacker when you factor in the Kobe Dean and those guys. It's just hard to replace a Roquan. I think Georgia fans should really appreciate number 99. I know they do, but what you got in the middle and some pieces around him, they're going to be talking about this front four for Georgia for a long time. It's a really talented group. And the thing is, Rusty, is that, uh, you know, Jordan Davis gets all the talk and Devontae Wyatt had all the numbers, but Jalen Carter probably had the most impressive you know, single one play because sure. I'm, I'm sitting here breaking down the film and I'm watching it and Jalen Carter beats Jamari Sawyer so bad on one play. And listen, that's a chore, okay? Jamari Sawyer is a dude. He's not going to lose very many battles. But Jalen Carter blows right by him on, on a play uh, it, I, late in the second quarter. I believe it was on the two-minute drive. JT Daniels barely gets the ball off, gets it to Zemir White. He breaks a tackle keeps the kind of the two-minute drive alive because if not, if it's a sack or Zemir White gets tackled in bounds, it's going to probably kind of wreck the whole thing. But, you know, there's so many guys. I mean, I was impressed with Tramel Wowther. I, I thought he had a tremendous day with the number two group. I thought Marlon Dean looked the part of a true freshman. He's out there playing defensive end. I thought Jonathan Jefferson was going to be playing defensive end. Jonathan Jefferson's playing inside. Um, so there was just a lot there. I, I think if I have to go on my number one takeaway, it's Donnie Mitchell. And 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 I, I apparently we've been pronouncing his name wrong. We might as well call him AD because I'm not 100 yeah. percent sure how to go with it. Yeah. But AD Mitchell looked great. And you know it, it, there were a couple plays he probably could have made. There were a couple plays I thought were nice plays by the DBs, and and nothing was really easy. But listen, Rusty, I think what I'm going to say right here it, it probably put a smile on your face. Um, you and I both reported that A.D. Mitchell had had a really good spring camp. I remember we were on the phone one day, and you said, hey, um, I'm hearing A.D. Mitchell. And I was like, yeah, he's having a good camp. And we kind of we, we, we bounced that off of each other. I was like, yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was you know, going to bring up to you. And uh, <laughs> I want to kind of pat him on the back, maybe shake his hand a little bit, because you know, there are sometimes guys have good camps, guys have good practices, and – they don't really show it when you get a chance to show it, but he did. And so he kind of made us look good there for reporting what we were hearing. Um, so I, I really appreciate him for doing that because uh, we had been talking about that for weeks no over no at Dallas 24-7. I mean, we no were talking doubt. about it since the second week of camp. Did you hear on the broadcast, and I, and, and I know you probably did, but did you hear Todd Monken talking about Dewan Mathis and what he flashed during fall camp? And basically, did, yeah, you know, yeah. you know, and that we both reported things that we were hearing, you know, and that's that's a learning lesson for everyone. It just didn't translate to Saturdays, and Georgia was trying to get it there. But going back for us and you specifically, when we make these inside reports, it's not it's not hunches, man. I mean, this is what we're hearing. This is what we're hearing from good sources. So I thought that was a pretty good note uh, that Georgia that the Todd Monken 
you know, basically said we this guy flashed during fall camp. We just couldn't get it to go over to Saturday. And you yeah, go basically back, said but, they didn't want to. They didn't want to let him get away without knowing right. what he could do in a real game. That's know? right. You know, and he, he talked about the Justin Fields stuff, yeah. kind of lingering in the office. So I thought that was real good. Um, Kirby hears that he'll probably never let Monk and talk again. But other than that, um, I thought it was really good piece of information. You know, on the broadcast from him. But you know, getting back to what you were saying, the Mitchell stuff translating into Saturday based off what we were hearing was really, really good there. Yeah, he. You know, and there's some things I see in him as a wide receiver, Rusty. That that um, that I really think are gonna are gonna get better. I mean, he's a he's he's a you know, there were some comments there about, you know, JT Daniels and, and, and the work ethic. And we had already heard that from JT about, you know, him not missing a throwing session. Then, you know, you, you're hearing, you know, uh, uh, I'm, I'm Jordan Rogers. I almost called him Aaron Rogers and Will Rogers. So, uh, 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 Jordan Rogers is talking about, uh, how Todd Monk is commenting on his quick twitch on his explosiveness on his get off. I mean, those things are there, but just the quickness and the competitiveness and and the fact that he's going to get bigger and stronger. I mean, he's still really skinny, probably not quite 6'4", probably more in the 6'2.5", 6'3 range, but still a big wide receiver who can make plays. He made some tough ones. He missed some tough ones. But, I mean, if you're talking about, listen, what do you want to see at G-Day? Well, you want to see a receiver – kind of come alive and maybe give you some good feelings about losing, uh, you know, good feelings after losing George Pick is not about, but after then A.D. Mitchell did that for you. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely think that, that you know, he's a guy that, that can really improve, and I think he can be a really impactful player right away. And one of the things that, that I said about him, and I know it was all the way back whenever he was being recruited by Georgia, we did a podcast when he committed to Georgia, and one of the things I believe I brought up then, and if I didn't, it was very soon after, was the fact that Lane Kiffin had this kid committed at Ole Miss, and Lane Kiffin knows what he's doing at wide receiver. And, uh, and and I think Georgia got a good one there, and, and he definitely had a chance to put it on display. Uh, a few other guys did as well. You know, Carson Beck did some good things. There were a lot of good things. Rusty, was there anything that kind of – you were kind of like, wow, that, was, that wasn't quite as good as I thought it was going to be? Um. Man, you get nitpicky on these things. You know, you're so desperate to watch stuff, and I know our board is picking about every play. I just know the value and some of the things that you have to be able to do with consistency. Let me make one comment. I personally thought Quay Walker played as good as I've ever seen him. Now, it's base defense, but but as far as flashing, tackling, and space, uh, I, I do know for a fact, because I, I knew a couple of guys, the NFL thinks Quay Walker is with his size. is that I mean, this guy is definitely on boards, and I think he's going to have a really good year for Georgia. Now, I'll say this. Channing Tindall um, is playing a ton. He flies around. I watched him. I don't know who it was. Jake, you maybe check it out when you see it. They did a maybe a B-gap stunt where he comes in there and he absolutely jacked a guard up. I mean, jacked a guard up. However, he did miss what I thought were two key tackles in space, and it happens, man. And I'm sure the kid was so amped up, but you got to throttle down a little bit because when you're when you're facing an Alabama, when you're facing a Florida with, you know, a Najee Harris or Kadarius Toney, and you miss a tackle in space like that, 
those could be touchdown plays. So I know those are going to be two learning things from him. And I'm just being real nitpicky here because I think Channing Tindall is a guy that's making the he, – he's definitely in the top three. Georgia loves to play three backers. You see that under Glenn Schumann. No question in my mind, Quay Walker, Nicobe Dean, and, and Channing Tindall are going to get uh, the majority of the reps right now. You'll see some other guys, maybe Ryan Davis, Smile Munden, uh, some of those guys step in there see where they are. But uh, I just think that's a little bit nitpicky, but you have to say, hey, you got to get those things fixed because uh, you cannot do that to elite running backs in the SEC when they don't blow the whistle on a quick tackle because Najee Harris or Kadarius Tony, one of those guys, will take it to the house. Yeah, I think that's a good one. I I have to go with the offensive line, not necessarily a whole game performance or anything like that, but there just seem to be individual breakdowns. And, you know, right after the game, you posted your thoughts and you said that, you know, you you were complimenting Warren McClendon. Quick, and, quick and, thoughts, quick thoughts. Yeah, yeah, quick. No, 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 and, and I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I was probably a little too harsh on him. Sure. You may have been a little bit too high on him. You know, it's probably somewhere in the middle like it always is. But – you know, Warren McClendon kind of had some struggles early on, but he got it right. Jamari Sawyer got beat a couple times, and it wasn't just once on that two-minute drive. It was a couple times. Uh, you know, Xavier Truss had some shaky moments. He also had some. He also had one play, man, where he put both hands in Adam Anderson's chest plate, and, you know, I, I was surprised they put Adam Anderson back in the game after that because they were kind of like – I kind of figured it would be like, let's get him out of there. Don't want anything stupid to happen to him at this point because he he just kind of squared 19 up and got him. Um, but, you know, and Tate Ratledge, I mean, listen, redshirt freshman, didn't really play much last year, struggled big time with the twist stunts that Georgia was running on the inside and, and got JT Daniels sacked a couple times. Those are all things you want to see happen in a spring game um, if they're going to happen at all. And, and, you know, that's something that George is going to be able to work on. I just kind of thought that, that it was almost, I don't want to say whack-a-mole because, you know, it wasn't like an issue popped up. They'd got it. And then something else popped up. It was just, it was one position here. It was another position there. It was another there. You didn't see that with the second team offensive line. And I saw somebody post this in response to one of our Facebook stories on Facebook, that second team offensive line looked better than the first. And I just kind of wanted to be like, man, that's a, that's a different bull they're riding, you know? That's a that's a totally different bull that that second team offensive line had to ride in terms of the the guys that they had to block and and that's that's not that's not really comparable. But although you know Marius Mims and and Broderick Jones did hold up really well their tackle and and uh, they definitely looked the part and and there's some good looking players on that second team. Um, but but I, I did think that first team offensive line was a little bit more shaky. But I also think some of it was more assignment based than just ability based and uh you know they got plenty of time to work on that and plenty of time to kind of get settled in and and get things figured out and, and it was also a different crew for the most part when jamari sawyer was in there uh especially when he was at left tackle because he really stabilized uh that entire group rusty let's jump into a break here real quick we are not finished talking about g day we got more to talk about after the break and uh kind of uh how do you say it uh tap your brain a little bit about uh about recruiting this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, Rusty. Uh, now, when when you looked at, at, at the you know at, at the G Day game, and you look at the early enrollees and the youngsters, I mean, obviously Adonis Mitchell stood out, or, or Ad Mitchell. We were, I'm gonna have to figure that out because I can't keep mispronouncing his name like I know I'm doing. I'm going. I'm going Ad. Yeah, I, I'm going to try to too, but I've just been calling him something else for so long. Um, uh, you know, Ad Mitchell obviously stood out. Was there anybody else that you were kind of like, huh? That that kid's got it. Well, it was hard to, you know, you kind of try to follow it on TV and all that. But, you know, uh, the interesting one to me is Avassier Carroll, LC, number 12, playing corner. Uh, you know, he gave up a play early. But I, I, I thought as the game went on, he uh, settled in. And you're talking about a kid now that played a little bit of, little bit of DB early on at, in, in high school before he went to IMG. And he moved over in SEC football and, and, and was playing DB which is a, is a, is a big adjustment. You know, Eric Stokes played 95% running back slot receiver in high school. And he made the transition over. So it took him a good while before he got uh, real comfortable there. So, you know, you look at him and I, I thought that, you know, he got a lot of reps should have uh, Keely Ringo came in there as, as, a, as another kid that we haven't seen as a first time. I, it was interesting. I saw his mom make a post and I, it doesn't really hit you until he says, this is the first time I've ever put on a Georgia uniform in this stadium. Um, so, you know, he wasn't a mid-year guy, but he's also a guy that came in mid-year last year that with injury, uh, nobody got to see much. So, you know, I think you, obviously uh, A.D. Mitchell was, the, was, the, was the, the star of the day for the early kids. And I'll tell you this, I mentioned on the board, the amount of times that uh, J.T. Daniels went at him tells you all you need to know because when you're a kid that young and when you have a quarterback that experienced that many reps that smart JT Daniels is not going to mess around when Pickens was in there and those two he went to Pickens he knew when he needed somebody to make a play for him he would throw it up to Pickens he threw at least two or three 50-50 balls and hit him on a couple of slants he had one drop so that tells you what type of respect he has already earned. And from a key person, uh, when that starting quarterback returns and does that, I think Brock Vandergriff had a couple of uh, really good moments. I think the best thing that Georgia fans could see, uh, there was a play going toward the visiting sidelines where it kind of broke down. Uh, he avoided the rush and went for like nine or 10 yards, moved the chains. You just can't put a price on those plays. You know, I heard a defensive coordinator talk to the Nike Clinic one time and say there's nothing more frustrating in college football than doing everything right, everybody's blanket covered, and that guy on third and nine scrambles for a first down. It just sucks the life out of you, and then you have to reset for a first down. So Brock had a couple of good throws. Like you see his velocity, 
uh, a little nervousness in there, uh, you know, bites to a snap and shotgun, but you see his athleticism, you see that arm strength, and that's a couple of things that flash with him and his, his amount of reps on Saturday. Yeah, that's the, you're 100% right about that. I, I've actually experienced that firsthand. We were playing Clark Central when we were at Cedar, and Marte Maddox, I don't know if anybody remembers the name, he ended up signing with South Carolina, and he was, uh, he was Central's quarterback, and he kind of got away from the rush a little bit, got away from uh, Tiny Pittard, our defensive end, and was uh was and we actually covered down on it really good it was like nine yards to go or something he got about seven yards from the first down and and went to spin back inside and we hit him from behind kind of upfield knocked him past the first down marker um man i i think that was when all the fans ended up was where they were looking up at me in the booth because i was framing stuff around i got a little emotional about that one because that was kind of a a game ender for us but uh there is nothing in the world more frustrating than that and, and that's what brock vandegrift brings to the table and i, I thought he looked really good at, at times I and mean, i thought he came in and th- that first throw to steven peterson who by the way a walk-on looked really good um he you know played with justin fields in high school and uh was was kind of one of those guys that you, when you watch justin fields play on tv you were like who is this cat uh because he was making plays also a really good catcher uh, over there at harrison um you know, he, Brock Vandergriff comes in, he rolls to his right, throws a bullet to Steven Peterson. He had another bullet over the middle. Um, he stared down some guys and, and kind of made up for it with arm strength, but I thought he looked pretty good. I would have to go, with, with, as far as the question I ask you, Rusty, Smile Munden kind of stood out to me a little bit. And it wasn't because he was all yep. over the field or he was doing this or he's doing that, but I just thought he looked the part, not necessarily from a, hey, he's big, he's tall, he's long, he's, he's fast, but – the way he was communicating, the way he was carrying himself, he didn't look lost. And and a lot of times you'll see a linebacker, a young linebacker like that, one that – I mean, listen, you're as big a small Munden guy as there is in terms of, of his raw ability. But, Rusty, there – with a guy like that, you've, caught, you've talked about how raw he is. And a lot of times when a guy is that raw and he's got that much room to grow, he'll go out there and he'll look a little bit lost. And to me, he didn't look like that. He looked like he belonged. He looked like he was – he looked like a freshman, but he looked like one that was trying to – you know, that was figuring it out on the go and looked like he was actually having some success with that as opposed to a guy who was just running around there out there like a chicken with his head cut off and trying to figure it out. What was your impression of him? I'll tell you this much, and let me be real clear, this is not a coaching staff member, but I obviously got some connections there. And, and one person I know in particular who doesn't really – uh, I don't reach out to him much, but he did. I did talk to him recently, and he said, I'll tell you what, about the Smile Munden kid, he has everybody's respect in that room because he cannot absorb enough. I mean, when they get done with practice, he wants to visit. He wants to watch tape. Uh, every single day I was told that Smile Munden is in somebody's office watching tape or spending time with the Kobe Dean and those guys. And um, that tells you a lot about him. And there was a lot of people uh, that I, I think reached out to me over the last year or so and said, hey, um, this kid doesn't, you know, he looks the part, but he's not, you know, really, really physically striking those types of things. And I've seen him in enough games to know that he is a new age linebacker. He will run you down from sideline to sideline. And I never was really concerned physical with him because – uh, you know, he went through some stuff in high school. You know, wasn't they, they weren't very good. He p- tried to play through injuries. 
Um, he was a one-man show at one time. He was having to play running back, having to play linebacker, just kind of didn't go the best for him right there, but he had a great coaching staff around him at Paulding County. Those guys kept him grounded, kept him in the right uh, focus, and even without some wins and losses there, they, they were really good for him. And uh, I, I tell you, he's a kid that, you know, there's some guys in that room that probably – honestly, are a little bit nervous about him because you know another very, very talented player has entered that room, and this kid can flat out run, and he's big, man, in person when you see him. He's a lot bigger than people think, and, uh, you know, when you take the mental side, what really sure on that part, he's got that to him. You like him even more. Yeah, I just, you know, that was one of the things that through the rewatch through the game itself, there was one play where where Tramel Wildthauer was was coming off the field and then they send him back on and he comes back on the field and um, you know, he's he's at defensive end. He, you know, and just quickly he stunts inside and and you know, uh, Munden kind of sees it and rolls outside, and makes the tackle real quick. It was it was one of those like play that was over in just a second. But it was something that I just happened to be watching in real time. And I was like, you know what? That's that's kind of a savvy, you know, savvy little play there. Just to kind of, you know, take a disorganized situation, read what, what your guy in front of you does and then feel for him and and make a play. So I, I was kind of impressed with that and just impressed, like I said, with with his just kind of calmness and the way he uh, he handled it to begin with. And listen, I know this is a podcast. We're supposed to be talking about quarterbacks, running backs and wide receivers because that's what everybody's interested in. But that linebacker. Uh, from from Dallas, Georgia, uh, really uh, really impressed me. He is a five star though, and folks do love uh, their their five stars. Any other uh, Rusty? I just kind of want to offer you a chance for a catch all here, since we've been talking about it. I know sometimes you know you can kind of have an idea or a thought to kind of bubble up there. Any other thoughts you want to share on G Day before we jump to recruiting? Uh, it's just good to watch, man. I watched I watched G Day. I watched LSU. I watched Alabama. It was just really nice to dig in and watch some college football and, and um, you know, hear some noise in the crowd and bands and things like that. So, you know, it really kind of put me out of MVP camp yesterday at McEachern. So between G-Day at a camp and I know some spring practice starts later this week in Georgia, it really kind of gives you that juice uh, of excitement to say, hey, it's been a different year for everyone, but uh, this thing's kind of this thing's kind of getting rolling and got a Corky Kale meeting. Uh, later this week, we started talking about TV broadcast for August 15th. And I looked at a 707 in early June in Georgia. There's, Jake, 56 teams in a high school 707. Uh, it's not all-star. These high school teams. So, you know me, man. I'm getting excited. Um, and Saturday really kind of got my juices flowing a little bit to say, hey, we're, we're transitioning into that uh, that that, spring, that late spring summer where, where football and recruiting starts to pick back up. But we certainly are looking forward to June uh, with, with recruiting really back on the front page and uh, being able to do what we do here. Yeah, uh, I got a I got a little bit of a broadcast thing. I brought it up on the board, and I just I can't not bring this up on the podcast. I don't think I don't think SEC Network knows Todd Munkin. I don't think they know what he looks like because. Uh, I was I was watching back through that thing, and I don't know if Georgia, I don't know if the common Georgia fan knows what Neil Hondo Williamson. If you listen to the Georgia Bulldog Radio Network, you've heard the name a thousand times. Uh, I know I did. I've been hearing it since I was listening to Georgia games back when Garrison Hurst and 
And, you know, when Eric Zire and heck, when Greg Talley was the quarterback at Georgia, I've been listening to, to Larry Munson and things like that, but they kept showing him over in the press box. That's one of my takeaways from that game. Uh, I, I hate to step on your, I mean, recruit, on I, your mean how, I hate to I step mean, on your high school stuff there. Rusty. I mean, I'm sitting there going, I'm sitting there going, <laughs> that ain't Todd Munkin, dude. I, I'm like, I know Todd, that's not Todd Munkin, is it? No, I didn't no. had a beer yet. I'm like, wait a minute. And it was so bad. That I they almost, shot him like seven or eight times. I almost DM because I because I do these high school games and it's tough, you know. On, on I do these high school games and you got a talk back mic, and you know they'll show a coach and sometimes they wrong. And I'm like, I'll hit the talk back mic and go, Hey, that's not the head coach. That's not him. Quit showing him, you know. And I almost DM Cole Kublik and, and said, Hey, look, dude, y'all y'all got the wrong guy. But I just I stayed out of. But I'm thinking that's not Monkey. And they kept showing him, kept showing him, but. Uh, I'm sure somebody relayed that at some point, but man, they they were they were dead wrong there. <laughs> yeah, that was that one kind of cracked me up. So talk to me about recruiting, man. What what is the impact of this past weekend on recruiting? Uh, you know, obviously, you know, no real face to no face to face interaction or anything like that. But Georgia did have some guys in town. How big of a deal can it be for for Georgia down the road? I tell you what. If and he's recruiting at an elite level, let's be honest, Todd Hartley. But if I'm Todd Hartley, I'm calling all my guy. I'm calling Oscar Depp. You know, Pierce Sperling was there. You know, committing 2020. I'm telling those guys, you saw what happened today. Darnell got touches. Brock Bowers got a lot of touches. That was a that was a a, a thing I took away. Maybe should have mentioned it earlier that the tight end targets at Georgia and they had some guys injured. So those guys are becoming even more valuable, but I think that they showed that, especially Brock Bowers, he got a lot of stuff inside the hashes, you know, Darnell made that catch on the outside over there and, and uh, man, that safety came up with great intentions, but it just didn't work out for him when you try to tackle someone six, seven, 275 or 280 in open space like that. So, um, but, but the tight end play, I think Todd Hartley, uh, recruiting wise, when you look at that, that's probably a really, really good deal. You know, there were some kids, um, you know, we, we, we got the kids there, been able to, uh, unable to confirm some kids that we believe could have been there. We'll double check on that. So, uh, but, but anyway, um, I just think that, uh, you know, the tight end play was something that recruiting wise, you take away from G day. Yeah, no doubt about it. And Georgia's in it for some good ones. And Todd Hartley has done a great job, you know, since taking over at Georgia. I mean, you you named it Darnell Washington, Brock Bowers going all the way across the country to get these guys. And Georgia's Georgia's done a good job in the past of recruiting tight ends nationally before Todd Hartley, before Kirby Smart, even at times. Uh, but they really ramped it up, and, and it seems like they've gotten a couple really good ones um, in in Bowers and in Washington and. Uh, you know, it's it is it's always interesting, Rusty, to kind of it's different than it used to be because there there was a point where when Twitter came out, these prospects wanted you to know where they were and what they were doing. Well, now it's gotten a lot more secretive. And so, you know, as you know, things trickle out here in the coming days and we find out who was there and who wasn't, then you can kind of start to mark on your list. Uh, all right, you know, this guy was there, this guy was there, this guy was there. Uh, and then, you know, a couple, two or three weeks, maybe a month, two later, you know, this guy decides to take an official visit and this guy starts taking an official visit. And it's almost like a, 
it's almost like a, a cup getting filled up or something. It's like, yeah, you put a little water in there at G day, you put a little water in there at, at uh, you know, with an official visit and, and you put a little bit more water in there. Finally it fills up and they commit. It's, it's a process. And, and, you know, this is the kind of thing uh, that, that, you know, G day is, is the kind of thing that, that, you know, you can kind of lay some groundwork and get a guy ready to, to maybe take a visit and to do more work on him in the future and then get him into your class. But as Rusty said, we'll be kind of following up on that over at dogs 24 seven and letting people know, uh, you know, who was there for sure, who wasn't there for sure. And, and kind of what kind of the, the impact was on it, catch up with them, see what they got to say about it. Um, want to remind everybody before we let you go, uh, it's free VIP day over at dogs 24 seven. That means for today only Monday. All right. Monday, April 19th, all right, you can go over to Dogs 24-7 and you can view all of our VIP stuff, our VIP articles, our VIP posts on the board, everything for free, one day only. Uh, we're doing that, you know, to, to kind of sandwich between G-Day and the NFL draft. So come on over, check us out, uh, you know, take, take in some of Rusty stuff. He had a really good update this morning. Don't miss out on it. And uh, we'll be back with you guys very soon. Hey, hey, hey Jake. Oh, yeah, go ahead, man. Let me give you a little wild card. Wild card. Let me give you a wild card. Joker. Let me give you a wild card. It's been a while. It's been a while. If you're Georgia, if you're Georgia and you're going into this summer, if you're, you got a coaching background, Jake, how do you feel coming out of G-Day? I feel real good about it. I really do. It's, it's G day itself specifically. I mean, I'm, I'm probably a little bit frustrated with this spring because I lost George Pickens and, but you know, that's, you know, that that's going to happen. No other real major injuries that we know of. Um, but I feel real good about it because JT Daniels got it going. Uh, you've got some things to work on. You've got some things to build on and, uh, and, and you got a lot of, of young guys, a lot of experience, and you emerged from that spring game without any major injuries. I feel real good about it. Just wondered, you know, I, I think, Jake, that, you know, we both know this team, been around this team, covered this team. You look at Kirby Smart and where he's got this roster. Is it perfect? No. Is it where a national championship is the goal every single year? I think I would be, without hesitation, say they have a national championship roster. You have to win those games in December, and you have to win two in January. But just really sitting back and looking, going into this, what is this, year six? This year seven? Year six. Year six. This is year six for Kirby Smart. And where the roster is and what's coming in this summer, it's 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 there, man. This program, new, new weight facility fixing to open. Um, you know, there's a lot, a lot of buzz around the University of Georgia right now. Yeah, no doubt about it. And and that that's actually a big one. I think we should probably have mentioned that very soon here in the next two, three, four weeks, Georgia's going to open phase one of its uh, new football facility. And that's going to include a brand new state of the art weight room, a bunch of meeting rooms. They'll start phase two as well. It won't be, you know, completely complete. I can't remember the price tag on that whole thing. I want to say it was. I mean, heck, I don't have time to look it up right this second, but it was it it was expensive. It was big, and uh, but but they they've got a whole new set of facilities opening up, and what do you know? Just in time for the NCAA to drop the dead period, and for you know for for uh, visits to start coming online in June first. Rusty, is that official yet? Uh, say again for June first. Yes. Yeah, yes. that 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 official visits for official visits will be the four weekends in June. Um, okay. So far, we have confirmed Georgia 
on those three weekends, not sure Georgia's – they may have one or two that last weekend, but it looks like the first three weekends will be heavy. Georgia will certainly not turn down anyone uh, that last weekend, but uh, the first three weekends for sure, they got seven on sevens uh, each Thursday, I believe, 24 teams. And um, I just think that, uh, you know – there's going to be some there, – there's going to be some one-day – that's the big thing. People keep asking me, where, when is Georgia's one-days? And, look, they don't advertise those, okay? So, they, they, they'll have them up on their uh, website. Obviously, NCAA rules, you have to do that. But uh, there's going to be a couple of days in there. I'll have to really work to find out when they're going to have some, some big-time guys on that campus working out, those types of things. And uh, there's no longer dog night at Georgia, as we know. Uh, but there are going to be some days – there'll be about four or five days in a row where they'll have 15 or 20 – of their top targets on their working out. And they always bring – so, say, for example, Jake, you're coaching at Cedar Shoals. You're invited to the seven-on-seven. Seven. Well, what happens with that? There's no offensive and defensive lineman involved there. But what happens if you're one of those schools that come, you bring your offensive and defensive lineman, and they get a chance to work out with the other linemen uh, from those schools. So, it's really – if your school's involved in one of those seven-on-sevens, it's, it's really all your major kids that come. So, you're looking at probably 100 teams over four weeks that's going to be there. So it'll be a lot of big time talent in Athens in June. And man, me and Jake, I'm going to have, I've already had, I've already had a little talk with Palmer. Sounds like our man's going to stay in Athens this summer. So we're going to get Palmer involved a little more in recruiting. And that's something he wants to do. So uh, we're going to be, you know, all hands on board in June because it's going to be a wild, wild summer. Hey, Palmer don't get to do the podcast with us, but uh, Palmer Toms, by the way, for those of you who don't know him, he doesn't get to do the podcast with us, but he works his tail off and he listens to us all the time. Uh, so I'm sure he's going to enjoy that little shout out there. But like I said, uh, those uh, the, all the facilities done just in time for visits to come online, kind of a fortuitous little bounce there for Georgia with the COVID and, and everything kind of coming back online. And Georgia's going to have a brand new state-of-the-art facility to show everybody. And, you know, that's that's kind of one of the benefits Georgia's going to get out of this whole thing uh, is they're online just in time for, for everything to get going uh, again and become normal. And we'll have that covered for you. And we'll be back with you real soon here on the Junkyard Dogcast. But for this one, I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. He's Rusty Mansell from the same place. And you guys take it easy. Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? Bell. 
and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.